All right, I guess we should like record a podcast since we've got all the since we got all the fun stuff out of the way. Yeah. That was one we could have paid. People could have like the Patreon would have been bumping. <laughs> I would have been a little more heated if I knew people were listening. Wow, how do you know that people weren't listening? Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 15th. On the football side of things, a really tough uh, defeat for the Cavaliers last Thursday night in Louisville, 31-24. to Basketball side, uh, three games in, eh, some good returns so far. Uh, nice little uh, victory over Florida and Charlotte. Good to see Virginia get a win in the crown, or I guess the Queen City, rather. And then just an absolute thrashing of um, North Carolina A&T last night, as uh, expected. We will talk about all of that and so much more before we get started. Let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Hey, I am uh, trying not to breathe in all the smoke up here. There's all these wildfires in Bedford are blowing up the valley. It's... Uh... It's making it hard for me to wait for the NCAA to rule on UVA's appeal to play in a bowl game. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> I was wondering where this was all going. All right. In uh, Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferrer is also on this year program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. I, I didn't know where that was going either. Yeah, um, it was, I was like, where, did he just like, did he really mean to talk about this? But anyway, sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. I mean, my favorite moment of the week, you mentioned a lot of things, was just wondering what song brad was listening to at the dave matthews band concert here we go and I, I was wondering how long it was going to be and then dave didn't take a shot so then I mean, listen sometimes i don't i'm not good at calendars what can i say did you see the banner oh yeah i saw the banner yeah nice yeah. it wasn't there last night oh, i just underscore ferber on twitter but i was there uh that's true you were because again brad's bad at calendars um Cast Corner also on Twitter. Cast underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody Banjo. Though, uh, I guess if I'm going to say the uh, updates, if I tell people that Ferber's got your updates and then he doesn't tweet them out, do the updates even happen? I don't know. That's how you got to go behind the paywall for That's me right. to tell you, gotta, you what you the score go is the, of the game the, you're watching. To the to CavsCorner.com <laughs> website. What a great website. All right. Um, so let's start with on the football side of things. So I mentioned 31-24. I mean, in a lot of ways, that game – I don't want to say this too much because it, it, it can kind of become real cliche, but it was a really good encapsulation of UVA season, right? A one score game against a much better team on the road. Virginia shows plenty of um, positives. Cavaliers, I mean, put together a really stellar third quarter in a season where their second halves have just left so much to be desired. Um, go down 14 to nothing at the half, come back in the third quarter and score 21 points. Um, put themselves in a position that looks like to win, and then it just sort of all goes wrong for them late. Uh, I, I like to typically, Dave, start off by you know making a comment about how you know it's been several days. This one's a couple extra days since it was a Thursday night game. Um, you and I, let's just say, when when Louisville blocked up the, the punt and scored, uh, Dave and I were not holding back in the, <laughs> in, the, the in the group thread. We were we were very uh, perturbed. Um, by the end of the game, I, I think we our our tunes had changed a little bit, um, at least in terms of um, our vitriol. Um, it certainly um, we dialed it back a little bit. It's been several days, obviously, since then. What are some of your takeaways from that um, that loss to Louisville, and how does it sort of change, or does it at all change the way you look at this team in the season? I mean, first of all, the takeaway is six days after a game is way too long to wait to podcast if we're going to talk about it because I had to spend some time re-remembering. Re but, like, I mean, I, honestly, I think in retrospect, the game is just kind of what this season has been. Moments where this team looks like they have it together and then moments where they shoot themselves in the foot. Um, just, you know, they had a... This game, 
kind of similar to the JMU game, which we were talking about before we recorded. Um, you know, Virginia had in that game and this one, Virginia had that weird spurt where they scored 21 in the third quarter um, in both and kind of took a lead and then and gave it up. But look, the second half performance, I think what the final four minutes of the third quarter, they had the touchdown, the interception touchdown, and then the fumble return touchdown. Um, but it doesn't take away how bad the first half was. Like, I mean, right. another blocked punt for a touchdown. Special teams is an issue, but moving forward, the staff, and they've got to figure that piece out. And I think that just another game to reiterate that. Like, you can't give up punt returns and punt blocks and kick off returns and, you know, do the stuff they've done on special teams. As a team that's got a small margin for error to start with, you, you can't have that. And they've continued to have it 10 games into the season, um, which – you know, there's what that second game this year where the special teams points, if they don't, you know, assuming you don't give up points, otherwise that was the difference in the game. Um, that's tough for, for a team that's trying to learn to win. Um, you know, the performance in the second half is just gritty. It is a gritty team. I mean, I don't think you can take that away from them. There's been some games this year where they didn't show it might as maybe as much as others, but for the most part, every game there's been stretches where they've shown, resolved that we didn't see last year and that's probably if there's one big improvement that's it um quarterback play and, and resolve of the team so and you know and i guess can all kind of circle around to kind of buying into the program now but look the results are still frustrating like it's not you know not so much for me as a fan now at this point you know they're not going to make a bowl is what it is but like you just want the players to to taste success because you know you got malik out there and AC 10 and Musket and, you know, the defense is playing great despite all the injuries, you know, in stretches, you want those guys to have success. And it's been a little frustrating seeing them get close and, and not be able to finish it. I think that's a really good point. And I think if we, if we're going to be honest and we're going to like call the spade a spade for the, the frustration, I think we all feel is both, is both like magnified by the fact that they've been close and also underscored by the fact that there are a bunch of players who have, you know, continually answered the the call, so to speak, right? When w- there have been so many times this season where they could have really sort of packed it in and they've, they've really fought back and outside of maybe what the Georgia tech game, I mean, they have really been, you know, in the fight um, and no matter, and, and, and the, and the negative stuff that had happened, you know, mistakes here, you know, whatever, whatever, they've just done a really nice job of turning the page and continuing to kind of keep at it. And so I, I think that in in a way, if they were just bad, it would be almost like, I don't want to say it would be better because that doesn't make any sense, but it wouldn't be quite as, um, as frustrating. And it certainly wouldn't, uh, it, it probably wouldn't stay on my mind the way it does. Right. Because, you know, you're only talking about a handful of plays go their way. And this is just a, not just a different season, but a dramatically different season. And that's just not the way that this usually runs. What's your, what's your point of view on all this? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like one of the more unique football seasons I've ever seen where, um, you know, and there, it's not that they're losing games. They certainly lost some of these, but some of these losses are to, it's not like they're losing to teams that are like three and seven because they're just making like one less play. They're losing to teams that are 20 point favorites, right? I mean, Louisville, I wouldn't bet money on it, but they have a real chance to make the playoff. Like if they just win their games, um, North Carolina, UVA basically ended their playoff hopes. Um, and then they kind of made it worse by losing another game. And then Miami, you know, UVA was what, like a 20 point underdog. So, I mean, like those games, they're they're not just you know hanging around and covering the spread and losing by sixteen. They're like in the games, um, so I think that got you count for something. I mean, we've seen a lot of a lot of teams. Like if you look at UVA's record, and this is what you hear from the opposing coach every week. Mike Elko just said it yesterday. Um, you know, you look at their record, and it's easy to be like they're terrible. And a two and eight team is probably not very good overall. I mean, they just you eventually would start winning games, but like. At the same time, they're not they're not as bad as like other two and eight teams, I would say, and are have certainly been more competitive than their record would indicate given their schedule. Um and they've played a, a pretty difficult schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the special team stuff, I, I mean, I I'll just double down on what Dave said. Like, they have to make a change there. I don't know that you have to fire people, but like they can't just roll this back out next year and just expect things to be better because it's it's not getting better. Um, 
and they probably need somebody that has more experience coaching special teams to do that because it's just they're they don't have the answers and the, the the most frustrating part of that is that the mistakes are kind of predictable like when they had that pump yeah, block i was like coming. i wasn't even surprised i was just like well that's bound to happen um but yeah i mean i think that there's there's some encouraging things more encouraging things than you would expect with a two and eight record i think calandria's performance um on thursday was probably his best uh he, he was clean I th- even his interception was i wouldn't say completely not his fault but like it was a good ball. I mean, it wasn't, and it wasn't like a throw that I think it was third down too. So it wasn't like a throw that, you know, he shouldn't have made or something like that. Um, so hopefully he can continue to do that going forward. And I think what we've, what we've seen is like the weeks where he's had a chance to prepare as a starter. He's even the short weeks, he's done a pretty good job. And I think like every, almost every start he's had has been on a short week. Um, so, I mean, like, I think, you know, when he gets a chance to prepare, he does pretty well. So, um, maybe we can sort of throw out what we saw against Georgia tech. I don't, maybe that's not fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they have some young guys that are stepping up and playing hard and, and it is frustrating to lose, especially when you were so close and this game felt like the Miami game, like the UNC game where, you know, they, they were making plays and it seemed like it might happen for them. And, and honestly, like, I know we haven't talked about it, but I kind of wonder if like the Paris Jones situation might've, taken a toll in itself. I mean, that was that what UVA took the lead on that play. And then after that, it kind of swung back to Louisville, but Louisville's a good team too. So I don't want to take anything away from them, but yeah, frustrating season. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it's been what we expected. Um, and in other ways, I think they've been more competitive than I expected. They just haven't gotten the results, but um, that's the next step, right? You know, right. You, you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small. Um, but yeah. And obviously I know we all hope Paris, recovers you know because that was pretty scary and obviously a much more substantial injury than i think i thought it was even that even after all that so um i know he's got a lot to do recovery wise yeah Yeah, definitely shout out to paris and um thoughts and prayers are with him and um the doctors and everybody trying to help him through um his recovery process it it certainly seems like it's going to be a long one for him i doubt I, I personally, you know, I don't think we should get into the business of um, sort of projecting these kinds of things. But I, I just will say that um, no matter what happens, I, I think he's got a lot of people pulling for him. And um, I'm really hopeful that he'll be able to make something um, akin to a full recovery. Um, now, in terms of the team, it's something that, you know, I was kind of thinking about as you guys were both sort of um, ironing out the way you sort of see, see this thing is that like, no matter what, like this is a results based business, right? And so Tony Elliott will be judged on the results. And what is that thing that Bronco used to always say? The um the results that a organization get are the ones they prepared for. Um I'm, I probably bungled that pretty badly, but it's, it's something along design. those lines. Yeah. Yeah, the ones they're designed for, right? Prepared yeah. for, designed for. And like realistically, like we all expected this to be a tough season. And um, the fact that they've been in the games has has been kind of eye opening. But no matter what, it's a results based business. And at the same time, like no matter what, like they've continued to fight, and you can't just ignore that. Like you can't, you can't just like look the other way and say no, no. But the you know they still lost by seven, or they still lost by this. Like, but they there were so many opportunities for this team to 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 kind of fold, and they just don't fold. And I think that that's not just admirable. I, I think it speaks to. I think it's a feather in the staff's cap in a year where I don't think you can say that there have been too many feathers in their cap, right? But, like, no matter what, like, they have continually uh, found ways to continue to sort of push back even when it, you know, uh, uh, the Georgia Tech game was the one, um, you know, maybe to some extent the um, the second half of that Maryland game. I'm not counting the Tennessee game because it was right out of the gate and everything. But, like, if you look at the, the the track record here is that Virginia's a gritty team that you're going to have to really beat. Like, you're going to have to make plays and beat them. And on some level, like, that's kind of what you want. You want to be a team that if a team wins, it's because they won and not because you lost. And yet at the same time, no matter what else happens, like, you just cannot have these mistakes. Like, you just can't have the, the block punts. And you can't have you know, free points. Virginia outgained uh, Louisville in this game 434 to 423. Ran uh, nine more plays, 68 to 59, okay? Uh, controlled the ball longer, 
Like, this was a game sort of made for UVA to win. If you told me Virginia was going to have 434 yards of offense in this game, I would have been like, yeah, they probably won, right? Like, that Louisville defense is legit. Um, and yet, you know, it just didn't work out for them. 415 on third down. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to continually lose the same way, no matter who you are, no matter what your what sport you're playing really if you think about it right it's hard to lose kind of the same way Virginia tends to lose the same way um and Ferber's point about like you, you know you 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 lose big and then you lose small and then you win small like that progression makes a lot of sense and I l- would love to think that next year they're going to start winning small um but the opportunities for them to sort of take that step this year were right there um to you know they did it once they had a couple of opera, other opportunities, um, both two of them on the road against Miami and Louisville, and then one against JMU, um, which I know for a lot of UVA fans right now, that's sort of like um, it's like a taboo topic. But I mean, like you know, JMU might end up being one of the top three teams on the schedule um, when it's all said and done. And you know, they were they were in the position; they weren't just like going to win that game; they were going to win that thing going away. Um, and then it all turned, and and I. And I don't bring that up just to like poke the bear. I'm I bring it up because it sort of it does a good job of encapsulating like that this season could have been um you know, you never really skip a a, a rung on the ladder, but but sometimes you can sort of I don't know, sashay across it a little bit, right? Like you can sort of um you can sort of make up time, so to speak, as you go over it. And it's I do think that in some ways this was a lost opportunity of a season because if they could kind of come out of the block, especially um, you know, given the way last year went, they could have come out of the block this year and put together a winning season that would have been absolutely just huge, right? No matter no matter how they get get it done. Um, and so I think that in the context of looking at the bigger picture, I, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta face that reality, which is like this was a real missed opportunity, even though it wasn't something we expect them to do. It was an opportunity missed nonetheless. Dave, what do you think? Do you, do you feel like that? the big picture how do you how do you feel like this changes the big picture or doesn't change the big picture for you uh in terms of it's kind of where the staff is and where the program is right now the single game doesn't i mean i think the trend you've seen since the carolina game is positive for the staff um but i mean i think this is a season now where you you, you said it but like any I'm trying to remember i think there's four games a three points yeah, i see one, two, three, two, three point games, a one point game, an overtime game. They, any of those, if you can just get two of those games to flip, um, I know it's not a great record, but Virginia's sitting four and six right now with two home games. Like, I feel like that's that to me would feel a lot better than two and eight. Um, you know, it's the, that outside optimism that you could win your two games at home and maybe get a shot at a bowl game. But, um, ultimately, they didn't. Like, it is a tough schedule, and you know. I haven't been wanting to defend the staff very much, but this, you know, when you look at the schedule, it's pretty tough. I'm outside of William and Mary. I don't know who the worst team Virginia play has played is. Um, I'd say Georgia tech, but probably handle this pretty college. good. <laughs> yeah. Boston college, but six and four um, Boston college. Yeah. Yeah. Boston college is what six and they're f- six and four. Is that right? They're six and four. They just, they've played like a, but week they got schedule. smoked last weekend. Yeah. They've played, I mean, they've, they've played like a bunch of nobodies or they've beaten a bunch of nobodies except for like, I think they beat Georgia Tech, but the rest yeah. of it's like And then, Army you know, maybe and... Carolina is not as good as we thought. Miami is not what, as good as they hoped to be or they thought they were. Um, but it's not in, you know, there was no gimmies on this schedule outside of William Mary. Um, but look, I mean, momentum is only as good as the next week, right? Like, I mean, I think we all felt a lot more positive about the way that thing was trending before they came home against Georgia Tech and got smacked. Um, so, I mean, I think re- rebooting on the road, and I think Elliot said in his presser, um, you know, they've definitely figured out how to play on the road. They just can't figure out how to do it at home yet. Um, so they've got to do that to me. You know, this weekend I think is a chance to to show it's not a blip on the radar. There's not a – I mean, it's not going to change the outcome of the season, right? You, I mean, best case you're going to go 4-8. and eight. That's still not a great year, but um, they've got a chance the last two weeks to, to A, win their first um, ACC game at home. And you know, B perhaps beat Tech, and Elliot would be undefeated against Tech. So, yeah, all in all, I don't know if the last game changed much. It just maybe became a reset from the Georgia Tech letdown. 
for, before we talk about Duke specifically, I do want to ask a, a sort of off the wall question. Like, I feel like if Virginia wins the next two games, so much of what the angst and, and such of the season will dissipate, not just because um, you beat Tech, which is, you know, I mean, I don't think we need to really d- dissect that one. But beyond that, it's like, oh, well, if you win the last two, not only does that give you momentum, right? But then it, it, it sort of helps make the sort of make the case that I was talking about before, which is like, hey, we're headed in the right direction. Look what we did at the end of the year. You know, we had all those, t- those tight games and we were able to win the last two. Like, I think that does make a, a significant difference for them um, in, in, a, in a variety of different ways. What, what, do, how, if they win the last two, what does, that, what does that mean to you? What does that say to you about the program going forward? I mean, I think you would have to look at it as forward momentum into the offseason. And obviously, like you have all the intangible stuff from the tech game, right? I mean, that how many coaches have come and gone and like have barely beaten them or beaten them once or didn't beat them at all? Like, you know, beating them, it's not even if they're five and six or whatever coming in, it's still, you know, relevant um, to how you're judged. So, I mean, there's that. But yeah, even this week, like, I think, I mean, we said the same thing when they were playing Georgia Tech. It's like, show us that the progress is real by beating a team you can beat. Um, you know, show us again, you know, that that you're making strides. And obviously, I'm not saying this is like a gimme or anything if they play well, but, you know, they can at least demonstrate that they're headed in the right direction and can sustain a good effort week over week. Um, I think also, you know, I think the Louisville game was a positive uptick like a small one considering they lost but you know now it's like where did where do things go from here because i feel like they're kind of in limbo where if they win these two games it's like all right progress four and eight really difficult schedule so many injuries i mean how many games did they play without their starting quarterback um and all the other stuff that's been that's gone on um not to mention it's not like this is a uva roster that's like loaded right so um a lot of factors kind of like four and eight i'd be like okay that's about what we expected it didn't quite go the way that we thought it would go week over week but you know they they took care of some things if they go three and nine it's a a worse version of that but maybe not the end of the world and then if you go two and ten and you know we'll see what happens in these two games if you look like you did against georgia tech in these two games then it's like, all right, you know, the the North Carolina win looks like kind of a blip. It, you know, they've they've shown that they can hang with teams, but they didn't beat them. Um, and then that'll be what, like five straight losses to end the season or something like that. So um it doesn't feel like it, but that's what it would be. So um yeah, I mean, like th- this is a program that needs something to go right, you know, and now they have two opportunities to do that. Um I, but we know that even even if they win this game and then lose to Tech, people will still have a bitter taste in their mouth going into the offseason because that's just how it is. Um, if you flip it and you lose to Duke and beat Tech, then I think people are a lot happier. If you have to win one of them, you have to win the last one. Um, but yeah, I think they're at kind of a, a little bit of a crossroads right now. Um, almost like they were after they went 0-5, and, and it was like they just really needed to beat William & Mary. Um, I think a win or two here would be huge. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, you do have that weird angle that, you know, Elliot, the next two games is playing staffs that were hired the same time he did. He was, I mean, yeah. So you're kind of judged against them. So yeah, it's a, a chance for him to, you know, at least put a feather in his cap and say, Hey, I've, you know, I'm not Owen two against Elko or I've beaten pry and he's never beaten me. Um, but yeah, two and 10 and you go out with against those two guys. I mean, Regardless of how well you played, that's going to make for a longer offseason. For sure. All right, let's talk about this Duke game. Um, I have I've all, I've, I've long thought that this was a very winnable game for UVA, but only if the offense could get to a place where they could reliably um, not just main, not just score points, but I think you reliably you, – you've got to be steady, right? Without Muskin, and I don't think anybody expects him to play this week. I think there's an outside chance yeah. he plays against Tech. Without Muskin, I think that how steady they can be changes dramatically. Now, I think Calandra has it in him, and I think he looked he looked better in the Louisville game from that standpoint than he has looked. 
Um, he's a very talented player, and the dude can just flat out like put you on his back. And at the same time, he just makes some really like rough decisions sometimes. Um, so I think in this game, you know, against Duke's defense, I think you you have to be especially steady. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. What are what are some of your thoughts on this matchup? And and if Virginia wins, how, what does it look like? And don't say they score more points. <laughs> no, Duke's still you know, Duke's not what they were with Riley Riley Leonard healthy. That's for sure. Duke is Duke, um, but they're still solid. You know, it's um, Elko's got a great scheme, great coaches, and they've got some they've got some dudes on that team, especially on the lawn. So you know they're banged up a little bit, but not to the extent UVA is, um, especially defensively. But you know, obviously you've lost Paris Jones with that you know terrible injury uh, but you also lost Colin King which who's been playing great this year at, you know in a secondary that was struggling so yeah I think not having those pieces stacked on top of the the depth issues UVA's already had like that makes me a little concerned especially with AC10 there like you know Paris to me has been the most explosive if not consistent running back this year um so you know Pace Holland someone has to step up and kind of take that role and then I don't know who the secondary is going to be with all the injuries back there. Um, you know, Duke's going to run the ball a lot, but still, you know, you know, um, Rudd's going to have to pull out another rabbit to, to kind of contain him. But, I mean, I kind of feel very similar about this game as I did the Georgia Tech game. I think it's a game that's winnable, but, you know, if Virginia doesn't, doesn't protect the ball and, you know, doesn't give the same effort they did in the – the close losses that they had the few, last few weeks, Duke is perfectly capable of blowing out, blowing them out of the building. Yeah, Ferber, what about you? What do you think if it if they win? What is it? What is it going to look like? Yeah, I agree with what Dave said on just like the different outcomes. But yeah, I think I think if they're going to win, it's going to probably be like a low twenties game, and they'll just pull it out. Um, I feel like the what we've seen with the offense with AC ten. Um, and maybe Louisville was a was a little bit of a trend in the right direction is like they'll move the ball, but they also have a lot of like it's kind of boomer bust at times where they'll have like a lot of three and outs. Um, we saw that in the Georgia Tech game. You can't do that against Duke because they'll just grind you down. Like if you if you just keep punting it back to them, you're going to look up and you're going to be up. You're going to be down like twenty one three. And they're probably not going to give you a ton of like big plays on offense. So um I think it's going to be about consistency moving the chains, almost like the NC State game, where it's going to probably be like a three touchdown each game. I think, and if they're if UVA is going to win it, and and looking at like a twenty four twenty one type game, um, where the so that means the defense is going to have to play pretty well, and you probably can't afford a big special teams mistake. Um, I think that's probably the way they do it if they do it. Now, I think if the game, if you told me the score of this game is going to like you know. 34 to 13 I'd be like well that probably doesn't bode well for UVA just right. because I don't I don't know that that's the recipe in this game um but yeah I think if they win it's gonna have to be just like consistent ball movement capitalize when you get to the red zone you're gonna have to come up with some stops you're probably gonna have to come up with a big turnover um and and for Duke like I mean I agree I, I don't think they're as good as they were with Leonard but I was really impressed with them last weekend even though they lost um you know, they certainly could have won that game and, you know, on the road against North Carolina, like I, I thought there was Duke had really struggled to score in the games before that with the backup quarterback. And in this game, they, they moved the ball well. So I think it's, it's going to be a tough game for UVA on both sides of the ball, but if they win, it's going to probably have to be like kind of a grinded out 23, 20, 24, 21 type game. I don't see them winning a shootout or winning a game. That's like 13, 10. Right. All right, Dave. In the preseason, you had this thing, uh, forty-two to thirty, Duke. My guess is you don't. Wow. Think no, I had I Virginia winning this forty-two. Oh, no, you did, you did. My I'll bad. I'll call my myself. Bad. Forty-two to thirty. Yeah, I expected you had Duke Virginia. to be uh, trash can juice this year, quite frankly. And there they are, not being trash can juice. <laughs> They're not. Their schedule is brutal pick... too. I mean, like in the preseason. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna pick Duke to win this thing in a close one. Um, I'm gonna. I think 34, 30, somewhere in that range. Yeah, we'll go 34 or 30. Um, I, mean, I won't be shocked if Virginia wins it, but at this point, when I pick them to win, they lose. So I'm going to put some reverse mojo on it. All right, Ferber, in the preseason, you did have Duke winning it, 28-24. Um, How are you feeling now? Yeah, I, I think I have more confidence in Duke right now just because of the defense. And, you know, they've they're just been – 
pretty consistent. You know, they're they're not quite as high ceiling without Leonard, but I think that they can put UVA in some bad situations in this game. And I think if if a team wins by more than a score, then it's probably Duke. So I'm going to go Duke, say 28-17, something like that. Cool. In the preseason, I had it 36-33 Duke. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is deranged or not, but I'm actually going to flip this. Not from that for not at that score I, I don't know it it feels like um I I don't know I I know two I weeks mean UVA ago, can win this game it's not crazy. yeah 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 and two weeks ago I thought like hey they're gonna go in there and and, and really I was confident they were gonna beat Georgia Tech and then it just was like the exact opposite to it like an nth degree I I just feel like what AC 10 did last week I just feel like that's a nice I don't know it's just a nice um, bit of evidence, so to speak, right? Like I just, I, I just feel like maybe he's, he's taking some steps forward, and I do think that without Leonard, I think that does change Duke a little bit. And I honestly, I'm not entirely sure, and I don't know if this is blasphemous or not, but like I'm not entirely sure that like some of these games that UVA has been in this season is not in part because these teams have kind of taken them lightly. Right. Um, and I could totally see that being a scenario for Duke coming off of the the way you know things went for them last week. So I'm going to pick Virginia to win it. I'll be the the lone uh, wolf here. I'm not going to. I don't think it's going to be that score. Give me um, give me 29-23. Um, you know me and my odd picks, odd numbers. Um, Can you drop just, a wolf howl sound effect <laughs> back there? No, no. Okay, no chance. All right. Um, it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. Um, Just remember, uh, Tony Elliott did say he wanted to hire Elko as a defensive coordinator, so mm-hmm. I don't think he'll come in. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm, but I but I think honestly, he's going to try to prove him right. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, if you think about it though, and this might this is some like galaxy brain stuff. I don't think that's necessarily going to if if like Duke comes in, they're like, yeah, we're going to beat the crap of these guys, and coach is very confident. Like, are they at that point as a program? Maybe they are. Maybe they're going to come in there and like a hot knife through butter. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. It'll it'll be interesting nonetheless. Home Field Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more this year. With college basketball season ramping up, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Home Field. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Home Field has comfortable, thoughtful selections not just for UVA fans, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So this will make a great gift option no matter who you pull for. Home Field's plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've got from the older UVA logos and such, and the quality of the stuff I've gotten from Homefield is second to none. In fact, the hoodie with the Cavalier script across the chest is my go-to no matter what I'm doing. Homefield products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. So don't miss this fall's hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. Um, all right, let's talk basketball. When last we spoke of the, the Cavaliers in their young season, I was uh, battling my co-host for um, um, prime position on Optimism Corner. Um, I was very optimistic. They were maybe not so optimistic, um, but... I would say they were more realistic in, in hindsight um, than the um, conversation would imply. Since then, they've gone down to Charlotte and beaten Florida 73-70. to 70. They've beaten the breaks off of uh, North Carolina A&T. Um, Blake Buchanan kind of looks like he might be exactly what they need in games against traditional bigs. Groves looks like he might be a nice fit against teams where Virginia can play small. A um, lot of different lineup combinations. Um, Dave, I want to go back to... I want to frame this discussion by using last week's as kind of like our background. Um, do you feel like you have more answers now? Because I mean, I think both of you guys were sort of being realistic about like, look, they, they got to play a real team and then we can sort of know. What do you feel like you've learned in the last week that you didn't know then, but you do know now? It's tough. I mean, I do think our concerns were justified and I think you've seen it. Um, this team is going to be perimeter heavy. The offense is going to rely on the three-pointer a lot. Uh, I think it was Kyle that texted last night, this team looks better when they're hunting the three, and they do. Um, so I think that part's right. And then the other concern I had, and I think I mentioned it at the end of the pod, was 
you know, Blake Buchanan's going to have to be a dude because clearly Miner hasn't earned the trust or isn't what we thought he could be. And look, out of the gate against Florida, that was it was proof like we got to have a big. And luckily, Buchanan, so far as a first year, has shown up in a way I don't think any of us expected he he would just because of history with uh, Tony and first first year big men. Um, but at the same time, like it's a very tedious thing, right? You've only got. I mean, Miner's played some minutes, but I haven't, and there's no offense to him, maybe he's still learning the system, but I haven't seen anything that makes me think, oh, he's the answer if Buchanan gets in foul trouble. Um, so I think there's, this is still going to be a team that's, when Buchanan's healthy, maybe they've got it in, you know, they've got a big and you've got to put up with all the worries about a first year hitting the wall and all that stuff. But um, look, they're 3-0. and They've won more games in the last two weeks than the football team has, and <laughs> which is crazy, but... Uh, they are, they've got some great pieces. Like, I mean, I think Dunn is, you know, I didn't think Dunn was spectacular in the first game. Defensively, he's really picked it up. I still think trying to figure out where he fits offensively, um, is just going to be a thing. Um, I think last night probably is more of what he's going to do. And then obviously Reese and IMAC and, and Rody continue to, to do what, what we saw, what we saw from them early. I think for me right now, it's figuring out. I think the next the next step for this team will be. I mean, I like the new starting lineup. Obviously, Buchanan continuing to develop will be a big step. But I think figuring out how Bond's a part of this team um, is going to kind of unlock their their potential because that guy's something. Um, I mean, he does some stuff. I don't want to put this. Like, don't take this as a direct comparison, but he's got a lot of Bryant Stith in his game. Um, I know you coming from where you come will appreciate that too, but he's got that kind of that athleticism and that that kind of country strength where he can use his you know be a little undersized and still play a post like a big man. Um, I think Virginia has got to figure out a way. You know, Tony's got to figure out a way to to integrate that, whether it's going big with him playing a two or three um, at times, which is unlikely, but or. Or letting or or forgetting the fact he's six five and playing him like a like a four and giving you more lineup lineup options. Yeah, it feels like you could play him and Dunn together, and Dunn can kind of cover up a lot of his um, lack of size, right? So like, I've talked before about the way that Tony would use Dre and Braxton, right? On offense, they were a three four, and then you flip them on the other end of the floor. Um, I feel like because neither of them is a particularly proficient shooter that offensively that, that, that does give him some, some rub. I think Dunn's got to be willing to shoot some threes and I think he's got to be willing to, to take them with confidence. Um, I think they also both have to continually be stick back Kings, right? Like they've got to be quick off the, the pogo stick defensively. I, I think because of bonds athleticism and, he just has an instinct for the ball in a way that I don't think like a lot of these really athletic kids that Virginia's had have been super athletic, but they're not like the ball doesn't just find them. Right. Akil was a guy, but he just found the ball. Right. Um, I think he's got some of that to him in the sense that like, he's just very good at being able to understand sort of instinctually, like where the ball's going to be. And he gets to it. Um, I think the more, he also looks like a guy that like the more minutes you put into him, the better he's going to be. Um, I mean, it's hard to believe that like these guys can can come off a retro year and can and contribute the way they have um, simply because like you're not really playing night in, night out. And, I, you know, with all apologies to Tony and, and his staff, like it's just not the same. Like you're getting you're 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 not necessarily running the same stuff in practice. You're doing you're working out differently than everybody else. You're getting extra lifts and all this stuff like there's just a difference when you're redshirting. Um but I do think that the Buchanan um, Groves thing is very interesting because they do feel like they can both apply differently against different teams and different matchups. And then Virginia does seem like it has enough pieces around to sort of move things in a way that um, sort of fit for what, what do you feel like now, um, you know, a week removed from our conversation about the opener, having seen the Florida game, having seen um, the uh, North Carolina AT game, What's changed for you in the uh, in the way that you sort of look at this team? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we just got to see Blake Buchanan, what he can be in that Florida game. I mean, he he was great and 
made a difference because like before, like Dave said, before he got in there, it was pretty rough. Um, and he ended up being plus eight for the game. So, I mean, I, I think that's huge. I think, you know, and I agree with what Dave said too, like his concern about what do we do when he's not available for whatever reason, like that's, it's still a concern. Um, because I still don't know what the answer is there and we'll see if they find one, but, um, and then hopefully you just won't be in those situations a lot, but right. you never, you know, dudes are going to get fouls, um, and dudes get hurt. So, I mean, like you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think other than that, uh, you know, I, I think they've been pretty much what we expected to this point. I think McNeely seems really confident in his shot and he's knocking him down and hopefully he'll be back soon. I, I kind of think he'll probably miss tomorrow's game if I had to guess. Um, just, you know, resting, but we'll see. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, and, you know, like I think Dunn has been pretty good on the defensive end. Like Dave said, the last couple of games, Reese is, has been Reese. Um Bond has been really interesting to me just because, like, you know, his efficiency. I mean, he led the team in shots, I think, last night, led the team in points. Um, to be honest, though, against NCANT, he could have played the five the whole game and would have been That's fine. That's very true. Yeah. They were so small. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him against bigger teams, more talented teams that they play. Because, I mean, against Florida, he just didn't play. Um, yeah. And they still won. So, I mean, you know, like, the, that's not the end of the world. But – uh, yeah, I think we'll. It'll be interesting to see how they how they use them, and um, even if like McNeely can't go on against Texas Southern, like how does that affect? How what do they do lineup wise? Um, I don't think like with this team, like who starts matters quite as much, right? Just because there's going to be so much rotation, and a guy like Jake Groves can play 12 minutes one night and 24 the next, and right. You know, I think that's going to be the norm. But, yeah, I mean, I feel obviously the performance against Florida was really solid. I think that Florida team is going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to be like a two seed in the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But, you know, I think they'll be a solid competitive fringe NCAA tournament team. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, obviously we'll learn a lot more next week when they go play two games uh, against Wisconsin and whoever they end up playing in the next one. But um, certainly encouraging the last two games. Um a little, uh, it's a little weird that they got outscored in the second half last night and didn't make a three. Um, but I mean, ultimately, like that game was in hand, so I, I'm not going to get too in the weeds on that. But yeah, I think Buchanan has to be the the biggest talking point because a lot of these other and Groves shooting, I think, because all the other stuff has sort of been what I thought I would see. Yeah, and that kind of falls in line with like sort of the way that I kind of frame it, which is like a lot of the stuff that I've seen so far jives with what I expected. I thought Buchanan would be a dude. I, I thought his, um, you know, his, the way, like all these events and stuff that he, all the stuff he did, the uh, competition he played against, I think that was super helpful for him. But I also think that he's just a, he's like, he's like, he's exactly the kind of big they should have been recruiting all along. Not to say that they haven't. I, I'm just saying that like, this is, this is your prototype, right? He's, he's big enough where he can be physical, but he's also, he's got good hands and he's not, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to shoot threes. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm not saying that UVA shouldn't, you know, look for those unicorns and, and certainly recruit them and stuff. Um, but I just think that like for, for a traditional big, this is the kind of guy Virginia is still going to need. Um, and I think that there have been classes where, or, you know, situations where Tony has not necessarily had that. Um, but I also think, you know, in the bigger picture, honestly, if Buchanan continues to sort of have the kind of um, development arc that it seems like he's on and again it's only been three games so it's hard to, to to draw up so many conclusions but if if all things being the same like if he continues to sort of uh develop at this rate he's the blueprint for them in terms of recruiting it going forward and i think he actually might be a guy who can change the narrative for them because like we're all being honest like they've been they've had a problem recruiting this type of player um just because you know bigs and virginia's offense don't typically score you know, Tony likes to have uh, a bouncy guy who can, you know, kind of play the Akil almost Darion role more than, you know, what they've done with like Mike Toby or what they've done with um, guys like that. This kid could absolutely be a dude who changes that a little bit. Now, in terms of this season, I, I think Groza shooting, Buchanan clearly being a, a, you know, I forget which one you guys said at first, but being a dude. Um, and then I think the Bond uh, done combo for me also is, is really interesting simply because like it's a thing we thought they'd have last year. But then I, I think 
you know, I, I, I'll lump myself in there. Like, I think a lot of us sort of got a little blinded by the trout of it all. Um, and I, um, and I wonder if in, in hindsight, this combination is not the one that we should have been focused on. I mean, cause these two dudes, they do complement each other in some ways. And yeah, like I said before there, you know, you do wish that one of them had a, a little bit more consistent three. You wish that bond had a more, um, let's say comfortable offensive game, but he, I, I think it it's in there somewhere. It's just not necessarily the way that Virginia has typically had wings. And it's a question of whether or not he's even like, it, what, what is he? He plays bigger than whatever he's listed at. I know that. And I think that's a really good thing, especially, you know, you look at this Wisconsin team they've got coming up. Um, the kid in the middle, they got that seven footer, you know, who was, who was going to demand some attention, but otherwise they're not a super, you know, big team, although they're going to screen the hell out of you. Um, I mean, it is Wisconsin after all. Um, so I'm really, I don't know. There's a lot that I'm really curious about with this team. And certainly as they go forward, you know, more data points will certainly help us. Um, how are we feeling about Dante Harris so far, Dave? What, what's your general sort of takeaway on him? Cause I feel like sometimes he looks like a guy who hasn't played in a while. And I, and I don't mean that from the standpoint of like, I think he has a lot of skill, but he feels like he's a little bit like, he's almost like coming around turns on two wheels sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily what they need right now. Um, feels like the feel part of it has to come back to him. What do you, what do you think of Harris thus far? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to describe him. I think we've all seen it. It's at moments you're like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, he, he's got athleticism. He's got, you know, defensively he's, he's solid, especially on the ball. I think he's still trying to figure out the pack line, especially in, you know, in, in a game situation. Um, but I think there's been moments um, where the Georgetown came in. Yeah, <laughs> at Georgetown, he was a high volume shooter. You know, they asked him to do a lot. And I think there's been moments, especially late in the shot clock, where you kind of see that come out, and he'll maybe try to go get his and miss an open guy that, you know, as someone reacts to him. I think that'll come with Tom. Um, and you know, I think he was used to having the ball in his hand more at Georgetown than he has here so far. But I mean, I think he's a good piece. Uh, it's a little, a little out of sorts at time, at times. Um, it kind of surprises me. I do, I do think he's struggling to fit in a little more than Rhodey is at this point, three games in, which is weird considering he was here half the season. But I think it's just because of the position he plays, you know. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think for for Virginia to kind of reach their, you know, their whatever their ceiling is, he's gonna have to be someone who can give Reese minutes off the ball um, and, you know, be in a, be a force defensively. So I haven't seen anything that makes me think he can't be that guy. He's just, you know, he's kind of seeing almost looks like a, you know, a first or second year playing in Tony's system, which right. kind of, you is. know, he kind of yeah. is. For, what about, what about you? What do you think of Harris? And then uh, relatedly, um, what do we think of Beekman's start of the season so far? Harris, I think, you know, small sample size. I think I agree with what Dave said. I think he's still kind of finding his way. I haven't seen anything that's been like alarming, really. I mean, he's missed some shots here and there, but I haven't seen him like pulling things that are like way out of line um, so far. But honestly, like I think the defensive piece, we haven't seen him have to be that guy yet. Right. I mean, in their two home wins, I mean, let's be honest, like they're they were fine. Like they didn't, they didn't need someone to go out and cut someone's water off in the backcourt. Um, and against Florida, I, you know, they did so much through their bigs. It was really like not, I mean, and they did okay on, on Kugel. So, I mean, like, you know, I think we'll see what he can do. And I think he's going to have moments. I think they're going to depend on him definitely at times to give Reese a break or just because they, you know, need to mix things up in the backcourt, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll, as the year goes on, he'll have, I think it'll for him it'll be he'll he'll kind of like I said with Groves he'll have quiet games and then he'll have games where it's like man he's got twelve points and he's played like you know twenty seven minutes, um it just depends on who they're playing and stuff like that so, um and then Beekman uh, I mean literally just exactly what we expected which is very good you know like he's been very solid um I honestly think he's been a little quiet at times but not in a bad way, um just kind of like hasn't really been depended on to to carry them and i think that's a good thing i mean he made some big plays in the florida game including a huge defensive play to seal the game um but you know in the other two games really he's been able to defer to other guys and the other guys are scoring so um if they continue to do that when the competition ramps up i think that's great i think you know 
he's probably like if you're if you're gonna have a really good basketball team and Reese Beekman's gonna be a big part of it. We we talked about him potentially leading this team in scoring. You probably don't want that. You probably rather him be like a second or third scorer and then do all the other stuff really well. Um and you know, score eleven or twelve a game, but you're not like leaning on him to do everything on the offensive end, um, except for facilitate and get the ball up the court. Um, but and I think that so far what I've seen, especially from McNeely, leads me to believe that he'll have some of that pressure taken off of him, but he's been very, very, you know, dependable and he's not a guy I worry about. We've seen him play so much basketball at this point, like we know exactly who he is. So my guess is is that let's see, they play tomorrow night, they'll play Monday night. And then and obviously they'll, they've got the game Wednesday um, against TBD. Um, and my guess is we'll probably podcast Tuesday night um, next week, unless we did. I mean, because we're not going to we're not going to podcast on Thanksgiving, so it makes a lot of sense to do it Tuesday. Um, so I guess at that point we'll, we'll we'll both know how they played against Wisconsin, and we'll know who the opponent is at least for the next game. Um, I, I I don't I, I don't think McNeely plays tomorrow night. Um, though I mean, if he does, I think that's a good sign. Um, but I, I don't think he does. I'd be pretty surprised just just based on the opponent. I yeah, mean, not a, that Texas Southern's terrible, but like yeah, they're not. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's they're two hundred twenty-seven. Two days between games. Like, exactly, you know, they're two hundred twenty-seventh in Ken Palm. He just barely got hurt. You haven't even given him a chance. Um, and if you if you rest him, he's going to have the opportunity to rest until Monday. Um, at this point, um, the Tigers are 0-2. They've lost to New Mexico by a bunch, and they've lost to uh, Arizona State by uh, 11. Not as many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 92-55, to 55, you do the math. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a matchup where it sort of does lend itself to, to him getting some rest. And frankly, look, you know who IMAC is. Right, you know exactly who he is. You know exactly what he can do. Let some of these other guys get burned. I, I think it's in some ways, um, I'm not, you know, not it's not a blessing, right, um, to have a guy like him out. But in some ways, it could really help them um, in terms of getting a, a chance to see different dudes and getting them um, some 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 seat time going into that Wisconsin. I mean, this is an interesting stretch because they're going to get Wisconsin, then they get the other one, and then they get Texas A and M. Um, so I mean, by the time you get to Syracuse on the second, you know, in some ways, you're hopeful to have like more answers. And and I think one of the things, as I wrote this morning, like one of the things you're really hoping for is that all of these different options, you know, that Tony has a good feel for for what hands to play and when. Um, and I think this team is probably as big a challenge in a good way uh, on that front as as any other. Um, last question, and we'll we'll get out of here on this, Dave. In terms of uh, what you want to see between now and the next time. Um, we um, put together this podcast. Obviously, you want to see a couple of wins, but in in the bigger picture, in terms of reaching you know their potential or maybe even like uh, moving their ceiling up, would you just like to see more offense from Dunn? Like, what's something that you really want to see over the next two games beyond just seeing a win that would really sort of help your overall impression of this team? Yeah, I'd like to see Amak back by the Wisconsin game at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's one thing like. You should have sent me that one in advance so I could think about it. But I mean, well, I'd like I, to see here, Buchanan I'll answer for myself to... real quick. <laughs> Let me answer for myself real quick. And because I mentioned Dunn, I think that's the thing I want to see. Um, I want to see him find some consistency in terms of what he is and is not offensively. I think one of the best things that happens with Tony's teams is when guys can answer unequivocally, like, that's not who I am. Right. Sometimes you see these dudes sort of going through almost like a um, like an identity crisis of sorts. Right. They're not really sure who they're supposed to be. The sooner you figure out who you're not, the better it is for the offense as a whole. And I'm not saying that he's doing anything right now that like is, you know, causing any issues or whatever. I just, you know, from a from a volume standpoint, is he going to is he going to get enough shots from deep to be a guy who needs to be taking three, four threes? Right. Or is he better served? to sort of find his groove um, and not necessarily push that, right? Sometimes ball movement and um, sharing in, you know, having to get these assist numbers the way Virginia typically has them up, like it doesn't happen simply because dudes are um, are willing to pass. Sometimes they've also got to be willing to not shoot. And I, the, on, the, on the face, they sound like they're the same things, but sometimes they're not, right? 
how you position your body, the where, how quickly the ball gets out of your hands. You know, are is it sticking once it once you catch it because you're trying to get a look? Um, do you know where in the offense you are going to get your looks? Right? Are you are you comfortable? Are you set? Are you ready? Like that kind of stuff. So I, for me, I want to see where his offense goes. He's shown defensively he can be literally everywhere. He's like Spider Man, right? That's that's absolutely great. Like I just I'm so excited to see this kid defensively because he's he's going to give Reese a run. I genuinely think he's going to give Reese a run for um, defensive player of the year. Um, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it to be quite honest because um, I just think he can be everywhere. Offensively, I'm just really curious to see where he goes. All right, I've given you some time to think. So now now what you got, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it simple. I think Buchanan continue to show that what we see in the first couple of games isn't a fluke, that he can do that you know, consistently. Um, it's good. And then what I said earlier, like figuring out where Bond fits in. Because, I mean, you guys can – I think he's a better shooter than what you've seen just because of how smooth he is, especially yeah, on that fair. turnaround yeah. elbow shot. Yeah, he I does like that. Yeah. Not near we haven't seen yet. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stick to those two, even though there's multiple. That's what's fueling your stiff thing, isn't it? It's that little, that little yeah. elbow. Yeah, I, I get mean, it. I get it. I get that it. That and then the move like under the guy's legs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've never seen anybody do that. It's <laughs> yeah. like, what is this? I don't even know if he meant to do that. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've seen I know, some right? globetrotters do that, but not, yeah. nothing in, in a game, you know. Yeah. All right, Ferber, you've had plenty of time to think about the question at this point. What you got? Yeah. Um, I want to see, and, I, and again, I don't want this to sound negative, but I want to see what Andrew Rohde is going to be. Um, because I think he's, we haven't talked about him. Like he's just kind of flying under the radar right now. And I, I think he can do more. Um, we just haven't seen it. And a lot of it's just, he hasn't shot the ball much. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities. Um, and if that's all they need him to be to win games, then I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, because he's going to give you six points. He's going to give you six points a night. Like, you know, easily, I think. Um, I think that's where he is, right? Six and a half. Um, I'm just curious to see, like, is there another level to get to? One of the things I kind of noticed watching the first three games is that I feel like he doesn't, you know, McNeely's so good off the ball. He's getting the ball wide open. You know, he's getting good looks at the basket. Rody, I feel like whenever he gets the ball, it's contested. And some of that's, you know, like they were in the middle triangle last night a lot and just where he's getting the ball and like, you know, the cuts he's making and things like that don't maybe lend themselves to him being flying off screens and being wide open. But I would like to see like how he's going to generate points. Cause I mean, he's got a smooth jump shot. Like I think, you know, when he gets the ball in rhythm, he's going to knock him down, but I'm curious to see, and and maybe we'll see more of this tomorrow night. If McNeely doesn't play, like what's his next level on offense. And like, is there one, I think there is one because he scored 17 points a game or whatever last year. Right. Um. So he, he's clearly been the guy before, so he knows he can do that. Right. I'm just curious to see like what what his trajectory is this season and if he's just kind of having a quiet start or if this is you know who he's going to be like this is his role. Um. Real quick before we we finish, actually on on Roadie, I was just curious. Like, does anybody else think he looked? He he looks to me like he's still either he's still adjusting. Or I almost wondered if like he he was a little sick because he looks like he gets um, tired, yeah. like tired really easily, and maybe yeah. that's just a function. Maybe of that's just of, what he looks like because some guys are just like that. Yeah, but I felt like from watching his stuff from last year, it just didn't feel Joe like. Harris but maybe used to get like that. Yeah, that's true. I Joe Harris like, was like red in the face yeah, like yeah. two minutes that's into true. the game. Yeah, I also think too because of the the way that Tony wants guys to run the stuff and how hard he wants them to go. I do think there's a bit of an adjustment, no matter how much basketball you've played. Um, I think, some guys, honestly, I think Rody's been a great surprise, man. Like I know we, we're not seeing like a repertoire on the defense on the offensive side, but he like I thought defensively he was going to be hard to keep on the floor. And yeah, he has I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have those. I, so I think you that's about what that. you're seeing. Yeah, He's not no, used yeah. playing defense. That's hard. that's fair. Yeah, that's really and my questions point. aren't really on that side of the court. I mean, like yeah. I think yeah, I got you. And I don't, I, I think he has the potential to be a really good offensive player and. My question is sort of like, is he going to grow into that over two or three years or is he going to, cause I mean, he did it at a lower level. 
at, at this level, is he going to grow into that over time or is he there? And he just has had three quiet games. You know yeah. what I mean? I just feel like maybe he's, it's I not so much there. that he's got to like get, get used. Like it's like he understands what he's supposed to be doing, but he's just got to get comfortable with it. Does that make yeah, sense? And they just haven't, they just haven't needed him to be more than he's been to be that's honest. That's true. Yeah. That's a good they point. Haven't, it's not like they're counting on him to knock down shots and he's not doing it. Right. I mean, he just hasn't, hasn't had to take many. Yeah. He's passed up some good shots too. I think he's trying to fit in. Like he's trying to be a part of the system and right. he'll get more comfortable. Like and Tony clearly trusts him. Very he's playing a lot, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I mean he played thirty six minutes against Florida. He was a plus five. He had set he scored seven points on three of six shooting. Um had a couple of rebounds, had a couple of assists, had a uh and he was super quiet in that game, like not in a good way. Like I mean, like he just kind of was like you never were like, Oh man, he made a huge mistake there. Yeah. Right. Um, but he's hit some he's hit some nice threes and he, he's hit a couple of like fadeaway jumpers and make you know he's got the tools. Yeah, he does. Um, he's he definitely I think got it the in only bag. negative is he's been a little loose with the ball. It almost seems like when guys he are has the up ball, yeah. 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 Like he almost needs to just take a couple guys off the dribble, whether off the screen or bringing it up, just to kind of earn their respect. Um mm. but yeah, I mean I, I like where he is. Yeah. I'm just looking at his his numbers so far. So he's got uh, what looks like uh, five turnovers so far this season. Um, yeah. I think three were pickpockets. He had five yeah one one last against night, Tarleton so. State was him trying to bring it up the court and the guy just took it from him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, maybe 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 that's not necessarily going to be something they can do when they're when they're pressing. But anyway, lots of obviously lots of to to cover in the next week or so. Be curious to see where they are um, going into um, Thanksgiving. All right, I think that's a very good place to put a pin in it. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving me graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all they do. If you haven't, go look at the website yet. Check us out at CavsCorner.com. And if you uh, are so inclined to give us a rating or review, we'd appreciate it. So, for David Smith and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.